Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's May 31st, 2019. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Clean Teeth Long. Just got back from the dentist. <laughs> uh, listeners will be surprised to learn that I'm sick again. Somehow I, uh, and whenever I'm around more than like five people in a room, that's it. Uh, I might as well just, you know, get ready to hack up along in the next week. The, well, the old, you, that doesn't happen very often. So I know. I, I, I think we should start like a pool, like over unders now. Whenever I get sick, how long it'll be? Last time it was three months. Now, are there not medicinal qualities to bonsai trees? Is that just a myth I made up? No, it's medicinal in that it's uh, relaxing and stuff, but it doesn't like, you know, keep the plague away. No, all right. Well, somebody maybe, sneezes, maybe, you know, Ebola maybe you on build me. Healthier trees, and then you wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> That's how it all started. So, maybe you need to work on an orange grove or something instead. Right, all the vitamin C in the trees, right? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> I actually have a, a an orange bonsai tree. So, I read at WM, uh, WebND. <laughs> hey, get us started, will you? All right. Well, I spent Memorial Day up in Ohio uh, with my in-laws, and uh, as always, uh, the games of the AC Ducey resulted in fodder for the podcast. And uh, so, uh, if people have been listening since last year. I think last year was the first big AC Ducey uh, event up in Streetsboro, Ohio. And uh, uh, so we got back uh, this year. We went up um, and. Um, What's different this year is both my in-laws have had glaucoma surgery since uh, last year. Uh-huh. Hey, you'll feel terrible for them, but, you know, getting old sucks, right? Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, my mother-in-law said that the surgery went so well for her that she almost doesn't need her glasses to see. Oh, like, all right, that's great. Um, exact opposite for my father-in-law now, who literally is blind, and I, I'm not laughing. I feel bad for him, but really can't see anything, right? Uh. Um. So uh, we really didn't know what to expect on this visit, right? So, and then we sit down and they're chatting for a while, and they're like, "Hey, you want to play cards?" And I'm like, "All right, make it happen." Uh, so we sit down at the, the kitchen table, and my mother-in-law brings out this uh, deck of normal-sized cards, right? But um, they had like, let's say, like the six of diamonds, right? Right. Had a big six on the top and a. And you flip it in a big six on the bottom, right? So right. the card is split in half with two big sixes in the red, of course, and then there's diamond in, in the middle of it, right? Right. And uh, so I'm like, those are the biggest cards I've ever seen, even bigger than your NASA cards that we used to use <laughs> those stupid photo shoots right. 40 years ago when we started the show, right? Right. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. It kind of helps because, you know, you get older, it doesn't matter what kind of surgery you have. Your eyes are going. My eyes are terrible now, right? Yeah. Got to have light on it during the day around the house to be able to read anything. So, oh, uh, like that's pretty cool. 
Uh, of course, my father all couldn't read them, and so <laughs> then they literally busted out this deck of cards that was either eight by ten or eight and a half by eleven. It was a sheet of paper size. I think I saw not, Laura playing with them on Facebook. Not even the, so you know I'm not even uh, embellishing this. Yeah, story you're not making it up at all. They're huge. So it was a big, uh, you know, obviously a novelty deck, not meant to be played with at all, right? So, but they opened it up, put it on the table, and. And my mother was like, Carl, which one can you see better? And he couldn't see either of them. Oh, <laughs> so, man. Uh, so I'm like, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So then I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, well, there's no way we're going to be able to play with these big cards. But I'm amused by them now, right? So we take them out of the box, and uh, Laura starts trying to shuffle. Impossible, right? Right. I always think I want to bring them on the next Annie Up Cruise just to get our dealers whining about a new set of the cards, right? Um. So I'm like, all right, this is gonna be, uh, this isn't gonna work. So I tried, and uh, you know, you, you, there's no way of riffing or anything like that because they're huge, right? Just wash them, right? You wash the cards. It's the best you can. So that's what I'm like. So I'm like, all right, well, let's just wash them. And they're looking at me. What do you mean by washing? I'm like, sorry, inside term. And I'm like, we're just gonna spread them around a little bit. So we did that, but even that was kind of hard because you need a big table at that point. Yeah. Um. So really, the best thing we could figure out was that you just kind of like mix them up a little bit. Um, but we started to play with them, and, you know, for AC Ducey, and if for folks that don't know what AC Ducey is, I, I think everybody probably does, it's a very simple game where you get two cards, and you wager on whether the next card is going to be in between them, right? Right. Um, and it results in really big pots, because people, you know, if you have, like, an ace and a deuce, which is the best hand possible, everything is a winner except for an ace or deuce, and that happens in the pockets. Because then at that point, you go all in, right, and then you have to double the pot, so... Um, so it was kind of fun. I actually enjoyed it, but um, but it was a lot more fun to play with these card shark sized cards, right? Right. Because really, they're like placemats. So I'm like, I almost now I don't want to go play AC Ducey with normal sized cards because I don't think it was going to have the dramatic effect of picking up this big four thousand pound card and slamming it down on the table, and everybody could see from wherever you are in the house or actually in the entire city of Streetsboro whether you won or lost because the cards were that big, right? Right. Um, so then what we figured out is, uh, we, we had a system down. I, I was the all time dealer and Laura was the all time shuffler. So at the end of the hand, we took the cards that were played and she mixed them up in her hand as much as possible and then just put them at the bottom of the deck. So we had a continuous deck just like on a uh, full tilt poker, right? Right. Uh, which is probably not perfect, but for this game, it's fine, I think. Right. So, yeah, yeah. um, and it worked well. So. That was kind of cool, but um, so from a poker standpoint, I'm like, I, I know our home game is is pretty darn extinct now. Um, but after playing, uh, I really wanted <laughs> to play it with the right rules. So here's the thing: is uh, last year, folks remember from last year's show, you know, I was like googling the terminology because my my in-laws call it in between, which no one calls it in between. It's AC Ducey, right? Right. So it took me forever on Google to figure out that. Um, and then, so they're arguing about the rules. We always argue about the rules. And so, you know, the rules on Wikipedia are very simple. There's like a, it's a one paragraph description of how the game is played, right? But then the whole rest of the page is regional differences. Right. <laughs> so pretty much wherever you live, you've made up a rule and that's how you play it. Uh, but no one else plays it that way. So really you can play this game however you want. So. Um, but I've learned not to get in an argument with my father-in-law about this. I just do what he's going to say and we play it. So the two things that we didn't do that I thought would have really made the game more interesting are um, they, they allowed you to fold. So if you don't like your hand or say you get like a six and a five, you can't, there's no way you can win. You just fold. 
rather okay. than having to push your money in, right. uh, which I think would build the pot a little bit more when you're forced to bet something, right? Right. And then the other real big rule is that let's say you have a king and a six, and you bet and you pair one of your cards, you have to double your bet. So if you bet a dollar and you pair one of your cards, you actually have to put two dollars in the pot. Okay. So those things would have really, really built the pot. As it was the way we were playing, we we still playing quarter um, with quarter chips. We uh, built the pot up. Uh, I, I think we had some pots that were forty some bucks at some point. Which, Whoa pretty amazing to think about it right so and if you would have played my rules or what i consider the right rules i mean we, we could have had a hundred dollar pots in a quarter game wow pretty crazy that is crazy um, a couple of other funny things so you know we were playing table stakes you know so you can't reach in when you get ace deuce and put twenty dollars on the table to, to play the pot right right and but so they only had um one little set of you know those 1970s poker chips yeah yeah. In a little carousel thing. Yeah. Wooden carousel and the plastic ones that yep. are probably, God, I don't know if you can buy them. I guess you probably buy them. Yeah, you, right? can, you can still buy them. So a couple funny things. <laughs> one, uh, they've always been missing one chip. Um, so that's always a big deal. And I'm like, just give me the one, the stack with the shorter chip. I, I'll pay the extra quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we, we did the uh, the initial buy-in because um, there were t- uh, $40 worth of chips, so we all bought $10 worth of chips, put the money in the pot, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the game, back uh, like we did in our home game, right, you would uh, count off the chips, you'd pay out, and we hopefully it'd all work out, but it never did, right? Um, and this, so this time we were like 10 or 15 bucks off, which uh-huh. is pretty big. So we realized <clears throat> the next day that uh, we counted uh, stacks of 25 chips instead of 20, so we messed up the math at the very beginning. I'm so glad you're doing the books for the company. Yes, exactly, right? Uh, I have a question. Uh, If you had $40 in chips and you had play table stakes, how'd you have a $47 pot? Well, yeah, so that's the thing. So after you lose your chips, then you have to buy back in, but there's no more chips to buy back in, so then there's a lot of cash on the table, you know, like stripes. Um, Ah, okay. And so that that was good. that's the next part of my story. So we're playing table stakes, and uh, my uh, my father in law always backs me up. He's like, "Yeah, table stakes, table stakes." And I'm like, "All right, thanks." And but he would refuse to leave his money on the table. So he had two. He has this big fishing shirt on, right? You know, with a big forty seven pockets, put all your lures and stuff in, even yeah. though he's fishing for. So his right pocket was what he called his playable money, which is the table stakes, the money he took off the table to put it in there. And then the left pocket was the money that he would put back in the game if he ever went broke. And it was hilarious because it just took forever because he'd have to pull his money out, count it, <laughs> put it back in there. I'm like, just leave it on the table. You should be able to do that in the poker rooms. That would be uh, fascinating. Wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm like, no, hey, this is my playable money in this pocket. <laughs> I'm not going south, honest. Yes, yes exactly. I'm, I'm using the playable money pocket, not the other one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure last time you played Ace Deuce, I was sick then too. By the way, I, I don't know. It's probably a safe bet. Yeah, it's a good chance. I'll bet four dollars on it. Come on, give me a four. Oh man! But yeah, so if you haven't played Ace Deuce in a while, I think it's a fun game. But particularly if you've got um, friends that don't know poker and you're trying to get them involved in it, maybe it, it, it's a good gateway drug. Nice <laughs> poker, right? Nice. Because it's really easy rules, but uh, but obviously, I mean, obviously, there's some strategy. I mean, it's probabilities and math and everything. Um, it was a little harder for us to do because we weren't shuffling the deck properly. So, 
Um, and actually, it's probably easier to figure out whether you should bet or not at that point because you, if, you, if you're a card counter, you would know what cards are at least on the bottom of the deck. Right. Coming back out, right? Right. But you don't know what order they're coming out, but you know they're not coming out this turn. So. <laughs> but. All right, let's talk about real poker for a little bit. Uh, all the details for the 2019 Annie Up World Championships at uh, Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, including the schedule and structures, have been announced. This year's series, which runs from July 6th to the 28th, features a record of 30 events and nearly $1.5 million in guaranteed prize money, uh, with two chances for players to win their way on the cover of the Annie Up magazine with the Annie Up NorCal Classic July 13th to the 14th, and the World Championship main event, July 26th to the 28th. For all the details, visit antiupmagazine.com slash worldchampionship. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I wrote the story for this, and uh, obviously I, I, I talked to our good friend Ben Irwin, the director of poker out there, um, almost every day it seems like now. And uh, really, I, I really wanted to give him credit in this article for, because he puts the heavy lifting into design. The schedule. I mean, he um, he certainly throws a lot of ideas my way. He consults with uh, Matt Savage from uh, WPT a lot on it as well too. But but he's the one that puts it together. And last year it was 22 events. So he found a way in the same block of days, roughly three weeks, uh, to squeeze eight more events on the schedule. Jeez. And at the same time, still does uh, probably, in my opinion, the, the most impressive satellites schedule anywhere outside of maybe the world series um there are satellites almost every day for all the uh, the weekend multi-flight events and um, all, almost all of them guarantee seats and then for the main event they actually have a satellite that's going to guarantee 40 seats in the main event wow. in one time wow so you know you would think all right he, uh, we, we found a way to cram eight more events on the schedule so that means we took away some satellites and that i'm like i sort of don't see any evidence of that there's still plenty of things going on there um obviously it's made it's made it really good now um the the second year in the new room uh where they have a lot more space to to do things but uh, it's a very impressive schedule and um one new event this year that i really like i'm looking forward to playing is a uh, win play show takes the dough and so the concept is uh no matter how many entries there's only three cashers right so Either win, place, or show, right? Huh? Uh, but it's it's a, an accelerated bounty event, so the bounties are are, are big. Right, so right. really, the goal is just knock people out. If you knock enough people out, um, actually, you only have to knock probably a couple out. I think to make your money back. Um, and so most of the prize pools are in the bounties. So you know, if you're if you're good at knocking people out, but not good at cashing, win, place, show takes a dough. Are the way for you to go, and there's four of them on the schedule this year, and one of them is being played PLO rather than no limit hold'em. So that ought to be pretty interesting. So pretty cool. But lots of good uh, events, and if you're mixed game uh, uh, fans, uh, there's a lot of mixed games on there. Uh, the horse, there's uh, a couple Omaha events, there's a uh, Stud Eight Omaha Eight uh, event. Yeah. Um, and then of course the Heads Up Championship, <coughs> and uh, I encourage you to enter that because if you draw me. You're guaranteed to win the event. It's the last three years I've lost the chance. <laughs> very, very great. Um, uh, um, great odds. Yes. Of you winning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Daniel Negreanu got married and divorced and all in the same month, Chris. Uh, don't worry, though. Uh, he and new bride Amanda Leatherman are still together. And uh, as far as we know, uh, incredibly happy together. 
But Kid Poker and Poker Stars have announced what is described as a, quote, amicable split after 12 years of Negrano being sponsored by the online poker giant. In a video post, Negrano said he loved his time with Poker Stars, but is looking forward to the next chapter of his life. He also said that, in a way, it's freeing to be unaffiliated sponsor-wise, as he is more free to speak his mind without assumptions that his opinions are shaped by his sponsorship deals. Yeah, this is uh, it's interesting, and I, I, I can see... Uh, especially how just recently he gotten into that crap um, with the you know the people he hate to play against or whatever the hell it was and um, but I, I for some reason I just have a feeling that that's not going to be his last poker sponsor you know I feel yeah. like they, a lot of times these things come out and they're like oh it's so great to be you know whatever and then you know six months later boom they've landed a huge deal with somebody else and it's just something they had to say but. He may be free for a while, but I, I have. He's just such a good. He's so young, still. You know what I mean? It's hard to believe he's still young, um, but he is, and he's got a lot of poker left in him. And it's hard to believe that that's it for him. That that's the last sponsor he's going to have. So, uh, well, yeah, we'll he's also so personable. He's probably the most personable poker player out there, right? Right. He, he wins every year, right? Likeable, favorite poker player, all that. When the people's choice poker awards. Stuff. I mean, yeah. he, he's made to be a, a, a sponsored by someone, right? I mean, he is if you're in the poker world. Um, you'd be crazy not to have Daniel Negreanu pimping your product in whatever way, right? right. So, so yeah, I agree. I think you're, he, he's going to find something else. Um, the other thing, too, I, I was having this conversation with um, a friend a couple of weeks ago that doesn't really, not in the poker world, but is intrigued by it and asking about becoming a pro player and, you know, is it really what it looks like? I mean, no, it's terrible. I wouldn't should ever want to be a pro poker player. But really, uh, explaining to him really the money and being a pro is from sponsorship deals. You know, no matter how good you are, it's it's really hard to make money just playing poker. Um, but these sponsorship deals are what make it make it happen. So, yeah. you know, I, I got to think that that's that's a big source of um, Daniel's um, income over the last twelve years, and uh, he'll need to replicate that somewhere else. You know, um, some way. You know, now he's got a wife too. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so a couple of things I thought were interesting, though. Um, uh, I love when he said he'd be more free to speak his mind. I don't know anybody that that seems to me more free to speak his mind than Daniel Negreanu, right? Uh, there seems to be no filters on him whatsoever. So I, I, I'm going to be interested in, in what, he, what he says now <laughs> that he feels like he couldn't say before. Yeah. Well, uh, it could be the behind-the-door kind of stuff, too, that's going on with, with stars. They may be... They may have been giving him crap about stuff, or they may have said, "Hey, we don't care what you're talking about there, that, that, whatever." But now this stuff is off limits, so don't talk about this particular subject. You know, now he's free to do whatever he wants. So, yeah, I, you got. I would start following him now, and that'd be another positive for him for stopping doing this. Now everyone's going to be like, "Wow, I can't wait to see what you know," and they'll start following him even more. So, well, yeah, and that's one side of it. The other side, but I think he, he spoke more to this in the video is that. Uh, the assumption from other players um, that he's couching his comments um, to protect poker stars because they're their sponsor. Um, I mean, there's been some raising of the rake and some other things that have gone on there that that he's defended. And um, so what he, he says he's tired of people say, thinking that his opinion is shaped by poker stars where he doesn't believe it is. So when you're no longer entangled with anything, right, um, that, that takes away the ability of someone to say you're only saying that because you're a sponsor by poker stars. Right? right. Now we'll see if he really does take people to task, you know, for this or, or agree with things that you would think he'd be against, you know, 
we'll see how he reacts now to things that happen at Poker Stars and, and whatever. Yeah, the last thing I would say about it, it's interesting that, that, that PokerStar seems to be splitting with a lot of the, the folks that we grew up with. Uh, by we, I mean Andy Epp when Andy Epp growing up, right? right. So Joe Hashum, um, Barry Greenstein, all those uh, folks are, are no longer um, represented. And um, well, new faces that, that, that uh, old folks like us need to figure out who they are. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, oh, shoot, I just skipped ahead here. Um, hold on. All right, watching the live streams from this year's World Series of Poker just got slightly more expensive as it was announced that CBS All Access will be the sole platform for streams from 25 events and will tandem with Poker Go on eight others, while Poker Go will have eight events all to itself. The schedule uh, for streams from the main event, in which ESPN is usually involved in, has not yet been released. Poker fans wanting to follow all the action up to the main event will need a $9.95 monthly PokerGo subscription and a $5.99 monthly CBS all-access subscription now. Huh. That's uh, yeah, I, steep. It, this came out last week, and I didn't put it on the show notes because it didn't seem like that big a deal to me. But then there's a big discussion on our Annie fans page on Facebook, so I'm like, okay, maybe I misjudged um, the, the anger over this item. Yeah. So that's why it's on this week, so... Should, should folks be angry or, or overreacting to this? I, you know, I think uh, it could be a combination of we're so used to seeing poker for free on television. We're so used to seeing a lot of it for free on the Internet that, you know, you start charging for stuff. And then, you know, I mean, there's some stuff where you're getting like Poker Girl or whatever. You get things that you, you obviously can't see without them or whatever. Um, but then when you see CBS's name tie, tied to it, and you think of CBS as a large network that you see stuff for free all the time, then now they're charging you. You know what I mean? You start to add up. Now it's $6.16 a month to do both those things. And, you know, it starts to add up. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, all I need is a antenna or whatever to watch TV. I don't even need cable or anything. But now I've got to pay to watch these things. And it's, I don't know, it, it could be that, it could be that, you're starting to get nickel and dimed left and right, whereas, you know, we're not charging for our show 12 years later, you know, <laughs> 15 years later, 12 years after the magazine or whatever. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, CBS will always have a soft spot in my heart because that absolutely horrible poker show they put on, the international, inter, international, intercontinental, whatever we call it that we made oh, fun yeah. of. It. Right, and that's where we came up with the title for Apes. You know, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the internet up intercontinental. It was like it was just hilarious. So um, anyway, I, I because of that, uh, I have a soft spot for CVS, but I don't think it's soft enough to, you know, pony up six bucks a month for their access. So I don't know. But I, I think I think the, I think people are just more used to seeing television, poker on television for free, and even on the internet for for free or mostly for free. That now, wow, I got to give the CBS conglomerate six bucks to see the stuff that I want, you know. So that could be it. They could just be bitter about that maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, again, anytime that anything becomes more expensive, you're, people are going to be upset. So, um, and, and uh, I'm not somebody that, that, that enjoys watching the live streams. I know a lot of our our fans do, and that's great. So, I mean, this doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> but right, right. for those that do, and um, uh, obviously this is an extra six bucks if they want to watch everything. And of course, now they could skip the – the uh, eight events or whatever that um, CBS has, and and not worry about it, and and still stick with their ten dollar Poker Go subscription. Um, but um, 
it doesn't seem like to me it doesn't seem that big of a deal here here's a couple of reasons i would say one the cbs when you're when you're getting the poker go subscription it's all poker programming right so right, right. you know that's great if you if you just want to geek out on poker 24 7 fantastic programming there but uh the cbs subscription includes a lot more than poker i mean this is probably the first poker thing that's going to be on it right so now you're picking up a lot of other shows and things like that um uh, and as somebody that that's been spending spent the last six months um, looking into cutting the cord and and streaming, I'll tell you the one big problem with with doing that is it's very hard to find a streaming service that has all the networks. So it's possible that there are a lot of poker fans out there that have already cut the cord and whatever streaming service they use doesn't have CBS, so they're already paying for the CBS uh, subscription uh, in order to get it, and so it doesn't change much for that. So. Uh, but you are getting a lot more varied programming um, with the six-hour CBS All Access. Certainly not trying to sell anybody on it, but uh, you have to think about that. And two, I think I think attaching. I'm mean, sure there's money involved here somewhere, right? So CBS is is paying something to to be able to to have eight events, right? Well, you know why CBS is doing this, right? Because they lost Big Bang, so they got to get that money back somehow. <laughs> but but here's the thing: when you attach CBS, I mean, uh, no disrespect to Poker Go, which is a fantastic organization, and I'm glad to exist. Um, um, but that doesn't really up the visibility of the World Series, right? Because right, if you're right. poker, you know what Poker Go is, and, and you're there. But but CBS now is a major network, so um, you know. Uh, we're looking at it from the the poker viewer side of, yeah, I got to pay an extra six bucks now to watch these events. But think of it from the other side where the normal people that subscribe to CBS All Access for Survivor or whatever else they have on there um, may now be um, exposed to poker and watch the live streams and get back and get excited. So when we talk about, as we always do, ways of, you know, getting that love for poker back that we we haven't had since the big boom um this is another piece of that puzzle i think i don't like the word exposed it sounds dirty <laughs> i don't know what other word we should use there but it just sounds it's tied to words like expose which always sounds you know kind of illegal and i don't know but uh yeah i i do like that i like the idea that that the large network with a more rounded fan base or whatever audience would be seeing that in their feed and maybe they'll click on it and fall in love with the game and we'll get more people but uh it, it is hard to swallow the fact that you have to you know spend 16 dollars if you want to see everything that's offered on streams and stuff but you know between the two um but you know everything has its price i guess you know you can't just do it for free uh half yeah. time well we can though apparently so yeah you know if you don't want to watch the stream but you want to watch it for free you could uh, fly to vegas and sit in the the big arena out there. that's right and the amount of money it takes for that uh you could do the subscription for the rest of your life so all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, any updates uh we love hearing from our fans if you have a hand of the week listener spotlight or call the floor submission email us at podcast at com or post in the annie up fans group on facebook and if you don't know how to do that uh, you could just join it uh, and by going to Annie, uh, going to Facebook and searching for Annie Up Fans because that's where you can post for feedback on on your hands or submit stuff for Call the Floor or just discuss anything poker. Okay, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at annieupmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool 
This week's prize, a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. Comes from Guy Khalil. He said, I just heard you guys saying that nobody said anything when you said the show is going to end sometime in the future. Well, please don't. Love you guys, and you are a big inspiration for me. I have a poker podcast here in Brazil, as you remember. We started in 2008, and we started it again 65 weeks ago, and I've been putting out a show every week since then with no interruption, including special episodes for New Year's and Christmas. In those specials, Gabriela, the first woman to win a Brazilian series of poker main event, interviewed me and my co-host. In this interview, I told her my inspiration for starting the podcast was a Florida podcast called Annie Up. Love the show, and please don't ever stop doing it. One more thing. The most impressive main event win was Stu Unger's third one. Moneymaker uh, was more meaningful, but Stu was more impressive. Thank you very much for your amazing work. And I remember way back when he started it, and he was emailing yeah. us and asking for advice and stuff. And I was like, that's crazy. This is awesome. You know, I remember that way back then. Yeah, back when we actually, yeah, it was back when we started the company. Yep. I mean, yep. Three years after we started the PokerCast, but when we started the company and we were doing our own creating at that point. That's so. right. Uh, well, first I want to say uh, he makes a good point about Stu Unger. Um, I still think I might uh, might have to vote for a moneymaker there, but that that was the uh, as a major league baseball the comeback of the year award. <laughs> we definitely had to go to Stu Unger for his third one, right? So, right, right. Uh, interesting debate to have. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I'll say is. Boy, you uh, you stirred up a hornet's nest, Chris, last week. By, <laughs> last two weeks, by one, even suggesting that we're quitting, and then two, bemoaning that no one uh, acknowledged it because we've gotten other emails after Geese uh, came in this week, uh, imploring us not to quit or, or or feeling like that we're we're on death door right now, <laughs> and they want to plan trips to Tampa to meet us before we expire. <laughs> well, don't I sound like I'm dying? I mean, seriously. <laughs> well, that's true. Yes, we do, we never know about you that. Never so. know possible but, uh, but yeah don't worry folks we're not going anywhere yet so you know don't have to change your travel plans but uh... do, 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 do. <laughs> hey, that guy is still winning too on jeopardy he's still oh, winning crazy he's gonna crazy. break the record i think he's gonna break the record easily but... i like this little uh little uh fits going back and forth between him and uh, ken jennings now they start <laughs> yeah. friendly and now i think they're still friendly but they like to, to nudge each other a little bit on it and uh but uh, but yeah, that's that's incredibly impressive. I mean, you know, and I still have not watched one. I keep uh, trying to remind remind myself that I tune in at night. I guess I should just uh, record it on the uh, the old DVR. Um, See, you're not old enough. That's what it is. See, the older you become, the earlier your day is, and then then you'll be watching TV way earlier, and then you'll see, oh, Jeopardy's on at seven or seven yeah. thirty. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole key to it. So you gotta you gotta you gotta look. You gotta feel as old as you look, Scott. <laughs> and then you'll remember when Jeopardy's on. And that and Matlock too. You'll probably watch Matlock. Oh yes, yes, that Matlock. I always like <laughs> to get home before Matlock is. So, um, but no, I actually I do want to, I I just want to watch one episode just to, to see how he does it. Um, and, I mean, I obviously read four million stories, so I know it. But it would be nice to see it. So, but but uh, Guy, thanks for the email yeah, and uh, yeah, plug away there. And and uh, I know he wasn't the only one that started a podcast because of us too. So we at least have that in our. Um, our legend. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's our legacy right there is yes. uh, the podcast that we spawned because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do any other, you and I didn't do any other spawning on our own. So, in real life. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> we both don't have our own kids. So, uh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe there's like a Bill Belichick coaching tree out there that <laughs> Annie up to the top of. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. I mean, there's another podcast that got started because of geese, uh, you know, so who knows? Yeah, it's funny. Hey, we have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing $2, $5, no limit hold'em at our regular casino. The action has been pretty crazy, with a standard pre-flop raise of 10x, which is slightly unusual for this game. There are two stacks with over 2,500, but the average stack is right around 1,000. We've had a good night and sit with about 1,800. The blinds post, and it's folded to us in an early MP with the ace of clubs, queen of clubs. We make the table standard raise to $50 and get two callers, one from the hijack, who is one of the players with 2,500, and the big blind, who sits with 600. The hijack seems to be a solid player, but has shown one complete air bluff. Of the four other hands he's shown down, three were hands that won him huge pots, and one was a loss that he got sucked out on. There's 150 in the pot, and the flop is the queen of hearts, queen of diamonds, nine of hearts. This is a really amazing flop, and after the big blind checks, we make it 100 to go. The hijack min-raises us to 200, and the big blind folds. I can't imagine we're behind too many hands here, so I think it's value time right now. We make it 600 to go, leaving us with 1150 behind. After some thought, the hijack calls. There's 1350 in the pot, and the turn is the four of hearts. I'll admit, I got lost here. I have 1150 remaining, and I have no idea where my opponent is. I know it's way too late for pot control, but we check. I'm really not sure if I'm hoping to induce a bluff, or if I'm checking to shove after a smaller bet, I'm just checking. Our opponent wastes little time in shoving. So, it's our remaining stack to call. What's the move? All right, it's time for the Vans PokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at andyatmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And we've got a double shot this week, Remember when radio stations used to do that? They all did it, too. That's unbelievable. It's like every single freaking market on the planet had that one station that went, double shot Thursday, you know, or whatever the hell it was. They all did it. I did that in the car this week when we were driving uh, because Laura just – so our rule in our marriage is whoever drives gets to control the radio. Right. Um, and my wife and I have a very, very music taste. <laughs> There's a, a very slim overlap there. But for the most part, uh, she's disgusted by my music and I'm disgusted by hers. So, hey, what would uh, you call Wilco? Like what? what is Wilco? Uh, well, that's really hard to actually explain what Wilco is. Uh, that is something I've learned since I've been married to her, that there's not really a good category. There isn't. You call it maybe Americana is uh, probably the closest thing, but it depends on the song. I mean, they have some really rocking songs, and right. I, she's into a fan because some of the rock fan, uh, the rock songs are really good, and, and their new guitarist, Nels, is fantastic to watch. So they can rock, but then they can also be super melancholy and yeah. like Oh my gosh! So, all over the map. But so, Amara Rakana is what you should probably call him. There you go. All there right. you go. Amira but but I only have one Wilco song in my phone, so the chances of that coming up while well, <laughs> driving was very thin. So, 
but I think there's like uh, back-to-back pink songs came on, and, and Laura was like texting our friend. She's like, "I'm going to be a 13-year-old girl by the time we get to my parents' house." <laughs> and so the, the, the back, to, I'm like, "Oh, back-to-back pink," and then I'm like, "Double shot." <laughs> and she was like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you don't know double shot." Oh, you're killing me. It was always the best thing when that came on, especially if it's a song uh, an artist you like. If it wasn't, then it sucked, and then you had to move on to 96Q or something different. Yeah, you had to go to a different like station. Seven minutes until the, the, the double shot was over, and then you can go back. <laughs> so, all right, so uh, here, here's our double shot. It's from Adam Borgoyne this week. Two, uh, two situations in this email, Chris. So, okay. And, uh, so we're going to take them one at a time. Uh, but he's got a little background here, first of all. Uh, all this... All this came down at MGM Springfield, which uh, was uh, Massachusetts' biggest casino until the Encore is now open in Boston. So um, he says, uh, both these hands happened within an hour with no changes in people at the table. And he says, MGM is currently running a bunch of promotions for the month of April. Uh, actually, they're currently not running those now, but they were in April. Right. Um, uh, so there are some extra players in the room. Uh, there's some good regular players, a bad regular uh, a couple of middle of the road players, which is where Adam puts him, himself in, and a couple of bad players who overplay every hand. Uh, we bought in for two hundred. Currently, sit around three hundred. Uh, when the first situation pops up and our opponents are two bad players, one is horrendously bad, the other has a slightly better grasp of the game. All right. Yep. Okay. Uh, middle position. I'm going to read, read the whole thing and then we'll go. Back. Middle position uh, player raises to ten dollars. Uh, he's uh, after it's folded him. He gets three callers and saw me in the big blind. I looked down at the king of clubs, king of diamonds, and I raised to sixty dollars. I would like to get one caller, but I'm happy taking this down now. It folds around to the cutoff who calls. The button folds, and the small blind snap calls. The cutoff is the better of the two. He has uh, Parkinson's. Wow. So getting body language reads is tough on him, uh, which he has joked about earlier tonight. All right. <laughs> Uh, small blind has a visibly shaking hand and knocked over a stack on his way to call. Uh, flop comes down tray of clubs, jack of clubs, eight of clubs. Small blind thinks for .0001 second and puts in $20, leaving 50 behind. Uh, the cutoff has about $50 left in the stack. So I shoved, cutoff called, small blind folds, 10 of diamonds, seven of hearts face up. What? <laughs> And says, uh, I'll let you guys duke it out. Uh, cutoff flips over queen of clubs, queen of spades. The board bricks out, giving me a nice pot. So his question, Chris, is did I overplay my kings and put myself in a dangerous spot? No. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, uh, first of all, that's exactly what I would have probably raised to. If I looked down, where were we? Were we in the blinds? Or uh, Big blind, yes. Yeah, so we were in the blinds. We... we we definitely are going to want to make it an amount that takes a decent size pot down already anyway. And if not, you're going to get value for your hand because if you raise and then somebody calls, you're definitely getting value for the kings. Um, it's a great flop for us. Great flop for us. All unders, all was it all unders and all clubs. Yep. We have the second nut flush draw in case our kings somehow aren't good. As long as the ace of clubs is in someone else's hand that we're up against. I mean... I love this play. I mean, I don't mind. You're going to be out of position the whole hand if somebody calls you, so you want to at least get heads up and then just take it down with a seabed if you can. I don't mind that at all. Um, and then on the river, I mean, there's if you got two callers, $180 in the middle minimum is over 200 in that pot, and the guy only has 50 bucks left. I mean, 
you know, he bets twenty into a hundred eighty dollar pot, and he only has fifty left. I mean, what do you, you know? There's no way you're folding to a seventy dollar bet with a hundred eighty in a pot, and you got overs in the second nut flush draw. There's nothing. This is pretty, pretty standard. All of this. So yeah, I think he did fine by the, by me at least. I think it's fine. Yeah, I don't think there's anything I would have done differently here. I mean, I like the raise pre flop because you're right. You got some, you got enough dead money there that if you win it right there. Um, it's worth trying. Um, it, it's a hand that's strong enough that there are very few flops that you're not going to feel comfortable betting out on. So your 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 position, your bad position is is mitigated because of that, right? So, yeah, yeah. um, and then of course now you now you get the classic semi bluff, right? So you're you're not as scared of the clubs as you would be because you've got a high club in your hand. So, um, now as you mentioned, if somebody already has the flush, you've got a chance to, to out kick them unless they have the ace. Um, but more than likely, um, you know, you're probably pretty good here and, uh, you know, you're not certainly not worried about the small blind putting in his extra 50. Um, so, you know, uh, to get the money in now and, and then it just worked out well that you get her up against Queens, uh, and the queen of club on top of that. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that was a perfect storm there. There's no way the queen was going to fold there either. So, um, uh, I, I don't think you put yourself in a dangerous spot at all. I think you you played uh, your hand strong and confidently and the way you should have with with all the information you had. So good yeah. hand and glad got it worked out. So yeah, no uh, problem, little, no problem. A little worried the second one's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so it's fast forward an hour or so, and I sit with five fifty. My opponent in this hand is down to his last fifty five dollars and is one of the more solid regulars uh, who I've been trying to avoid. However, I've seen him double stack by shoving small pocket pairs. I have announced that this is my last hand of the night. I always like when people say that. Like, do you, what's the proper way? Do you stand up with like symbols and like, hear ye, hear ye? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, there's like a courtesy, I think, but usually it's is my last time around. Is usually when they give it, they don't just say it's my last hand. Sometimes yeah. they do, they do it too. But the courtesy is that you, you know, you let them know that. You know, it's the last time I'm playing. I'm getting ready to get up. So if it's going to short the table or something, you know, get your hands in now. Or if you really want to try to steal my money, get it. You know, whatever. But, but yeah, I don't mind that when people do that. I like it. Tell people that, or do you announce it? Oh, do I? You know, oh, okay. Do you mean like? Uh, no, I don't. I don't do that. I just if I it's my last time around. Or I'm whatever. Just think like the the, the court uh, trumpet player coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get on get on the mic. You know. All right, whether he said or announced his last hand of the night, he has. He's uh, he's on the button, and he sits in middle position. Uh, all right, I'm on the button, and uh, the opponent sits in the middle position. Right. Uh, um, he calls the blinds with one caller behind. I look down to queen of spades, ten of hearts, and raise to $16. Not a great hand, but I'm already ahead by a lot and have every everyone currently in the hand covered, and I don't mind picking up the dead money. Our villain shoves his remaining stack. Uh, and it folds to us. I look over and smile at him and say, my hand is bad. We have some friendly banter back and forth about whose hand is worse. I decide that given the smallish pairs I've seen him make similar moves on, and the fact that I've got blockers to queens and tens, and I have some post-flop potential, I make what I know is probably not a great call. He flips over jacks, and I table my hand. The dealer says it's about 70-30 in favor of him. Queen on the flop gives me everything I need. We shake hands, and I leave for the night. So in my mind, I made a terrible call. I was up money and felt I had some potential with the semi-connectors. Just how bad was this call? All right, well, there's a few limpers, right? So let's just say that was 6 bucks. Then it's our 16 so that's 22 Then the guy shoves 50 right? Uh, his last 55 yep. His last 55 So 
that's uh, 39 left. And so you have to call 39 to win 77, and you know there's no more betting, and you could be live completely, and you have the information that you could have bottom pairs, you know, something small, for $39, and you know the betting is over, and you can knock a good player out for the rest of the night and take over the rest of the table. And Oh, it's your last hand, right? It's his last hand. Yeah. Yeah, so if you lose that, you're still up to 500 and you bought in for two. Yeah, I, I'm calling every day. Every day, every chance. There's no reason not. For 39 bucks, you know, you just made it 16. That was the part I was the problem with, was the, making it 16 with clean 10 off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, now that you're already in, for $39 to win almost 80, maybe even 80, I don't know how many limpers there actually were. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling. Uh, I, I think this is a classic... Um... Uh, lesson in using weapons as you accumulate them, right? So Adam had a great day at the table, right? He's up to 550, I think what he said, he bought it for 200, so he's up 350 for the day. Um, I hate the term playing with house money or playing with other people's money because it's not. It's your money now, right? So right. you can get walk away from it. But um, once you get those chips, now you're now you've got the freedom to I don't want to say play looser because you shouldn't do that, but you you have the the option now of, of making some of those borderline decisions easier in your mind than when you were scraping for bust fare, right? So right, right. Um, and in my opinion, if you're not using those chips after you accumulate them, you're leaving value on the table. It's kind of like the classic Warren Buffett thing, right? So. You know, because of compounding interest, that's how he made his his fortune. Is that every time he made money, he reinvested it because now he could put more money out there, right? And yeah. and the more money you put out, the more money you you are making on that, and then more money you could put back out. So uh, it's not quite the same concept here, but but uh, you know, you've accumulated chips. Now put those chips to use and pick up more chips. I mean, you're you're going to lose some hands from time to time doing that, of course, but. Um, you know, when you're nursing a stack of fifty bucks, you're just waiting for one hand and shooting for the fences. When you get five fifty, now you can um, strategically use those chips to get some more money. So, yeah, the queen ten is probably not a hand that I'd be excited about, but um, but again, it's his last hand. Uh, he's got the table covered. He, he seems to have more command over this table than he had earlier. Um, and you know, we probably felt at that point there was a chance to take it down with that raise. It didn't work out that way, but fortunately, the only person that uh, really went to fight back at him, um, it was again, as you mentioned, only thirty-nine more bucks at that point. So, and at that point, based on the knowledge we had with the uh, the opponent, that's that's a good bet to make. I think it'd be nice if we could double or triple that, but that wasn't the case here. But at this point, you had the chips to use to make a borderline call and you made the borderline call and it went your way this time. So, you know, if you didn't have those chips, you wouldn't make that call and you would have, wouldn't have won this pot. So a couple of interesting things, uh, of note here. Uh, one of the, Scott was talking about a lesson here. Another lesson is this is a lesson in learning what everyone has in their stack. If, if, if you knew that there was a chance this guy was going to shove, which is what he's been doing all night, apparently when he was short and doubling up with small pairs, then you say to yourself, okay, if I make a raise of 16 here and it gets back to him and he was trapping me with a pair and he's going to shove, am I going to be willing to call the 39 with this queen 10? If the answer right. is no, then then limp the race, or, right or you know, whatever. And then the other thing, too, I thought was interesting was this guy limped with Jack-Jack. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a multi multi. I guess I don't know if I don't know at what point he he was in middle position. So he may have been one of the first ones to limp. So he was hoping that you would do this. So that's a little concerning. He could have had a bigger pair than he did, but still, jacks are pretty big when he's been turning over seven seven all night. So uh, two lessons there: one, keep track of everyone's stacks, and then know that if if someone's gonna, you know, if you're gonna make a raise that's about a third of his stack, and it looks like he might shove on you, are you willing to call with his hand? If not, don't play. And the other thing is, you know, um, pay attention. You know, I mean, it's it's something that this this guy clearly. Uh, had, had he done that before? Had he limped with small pairs before to hit sets, or was he shoving with his small pairs? Because if he only limped this time, then why didn't he shove? You know what I mean? So that's the thing is that by by doing it now, you could have gotten a little more gauge on how strong he was when he did that because earlier it sounded like he was shoving with pairs, and now he limp shoves after a ra- you know a re-raise so, or after a raise. So to me, you should file that away if you see this guy again. You know what I mean? Because that's a move that if he limps and then shoves, he did it with jacks. So next right. time when you have nines, you might want to fold those nines, knowing that the last time he did it, he did it with something as good as jacks. So just a little more information to keep if you play often enough at that facility and you see him again. Yep. Um, and the last thing I'll say about the uh, using your chips, this is the whole strategy of our Jeopardy champion now, right? So... I mean, that's a very good lesson for poker as well, too. You'll watch how he plays, where he, he goes from the bottom of the board up where the big money is, so when he hits his daily doubles, he has more money to bet. Right. I mean, you, you can't make any more money than what you have at that point. So, you know, um, when, once you accumulate chips in poker, now you've got a potential of winning more chips. So, um, uh, I don't know. I, I think this, uh, with the exception of maybe the Queen-10 raise pre-flop, uh, I think these were, were all good moves that Adam made on these, these two situations. And, uh he said he uh, cashed out with a four hundred dollar profit after tipping the dealer the last hand. So, did you almost make a table stakes reference to Jeopardy? That was pretty crazy, <laughs> right? You almost said it's, it's table stakes and Jeopardy because that's essentially what it is. You well, can't, yeah, it is. Yeah, right? you can only, I mean, daily double, you can only bet what you have in your stack. So if you don't, if you only have a hundred in your stack or five hundred because you've been going picking off all the hundred dollar clues. You can only double that up. Yeah. You're picking off all the $500 clues. Now you've got 2500 in your stack, and you can double it up. So, The daily double is the ultimate AC Ducey. The most ingenious uh, strategy ever for Jeopardy. So. <laughs> see how I brought it around full circle at the beginning of the show? I like right that. There? I'm Chris Casenza. Yeah, I'm Scott Lock. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music.